Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. I work in one of the twin habitats located on the parallel ledges of an underwater gorge. We're just off the east coast of Canada. I know exactly how far, but I don't think I'm allowed to tell anyone that. Anyway, we're down here for all sorts of reasons. General research is all I can really give away, though. It's some pretty ingenious placement, too. We can focus on the nicely lit seabed outside the gorge and do tests within it, too. Two birds stoned at once, as they say. So we stay in here for a week at a time. It's a habitat. You can live semi-comfortably in here. It can feel claustrophobic, sharing it with three other people is all. By the week's end, most of the time I'm thinking about swimming to the surface. That wouldn't go very well, though. I don't think I could make it 80 feet up on one breath. Day one of our most recent leg went well. I had the task of piloting our drone to the seabed. Amy had just got done repairing it. The other team of scientists that had just finished their research stint left it in pretty rough shape and failed to mention it to anyone, so it was already near the end of the day before I got it out for a spin. How's it feel? Amy asked over my shoulder, looking at the feed it was streaming back to us. Good, I said simply. It didn't feel as good as it used to, though. The controls felt rigid, like when I wanted to veer left or right. I had to oversteer every time. It didn't matter, though. This thing wasn't designed to do a Death Star trench run anyway. It would do. Good. I don't even know how they messed it up that bad. It looked like they just backed it into the side of the gorge over and over. She sounded annoyed from behind me, but I had to focus on getting the drone back into dock without breaking it all over again. Wouldn't put it past Todd, I offered in agreement. Amy stayed perched on my shoulder for a moment before we heard Dave calling for her from another room. She went to see what Dave needed while I brought the drone back to base. I figured since it was fixed now, there wasn't a good reason to bring it back in, so I left it docked outside. I joined Amy and Dave in front of Dave's screen now, both transfixed on it, both with headphones on. Amy took hers off, and Dave slipped one of his ears out to hear her. Mmm, no, never heard of a whale like that, she said shrugging. Me neither, it's really weird, it's down in the gorge somewhere, Dave said, slipping his ear back into the headphones. He leaned in close to his screen as the playback looped over the wavelength. Amy looked at me. You want to hear? she asked me holding out the headphones towards me. I shook my head and scowled. You two are the animal guys. If you don't know what it is, no way I would. I shrugged now too. It's interesting though, you guys don't know. It's freaking weird is what it is, Dave mumbled incredulously as he rested his cheek on the heel of his hand. We didn't get much time to theorize about the sound though. We all caught something out of the corner of our eye at the main window of the habitat. Or rather, the lack of something. Like I said, 
We have a sister habitat on the other side of the gorge. We can usually see it, since the gorge is only about 500 feet wide. But it was late now, and the ocean gets really dark when the sun's not out. Luckily, each habitat is equipped with 10 floodlights. They can extend out into the water on metal arms that you can bend and control from inside the habitat. Really handy in a lot of stuff that we do. No matter how dark it gets down here, we can always see the lights on the other hab. Until we couldn't. They all just went out. That's not supposed to happen. We all just kind of looked into the void of the nighttime ocean for a few seconds, expecting the lights to come back on. But they didn't. Amy was the first one to speak up. What are they doing over there? Dave and I stayed silent. Sure, the lights were going to come back on any second. They didn't. Do they need help? She asked. Worry more prevalent in her voice this time. They would have called on the VLF if anything went wrong. I reasoned. They have a battery life too, so if their power failed, they'd still be able to talk to us. I told her it wasn't anything she didn't already know. I glanced over towards the VLF radio, hoping it would go off. Even if their VLF was screwed, they all know the emergency pattern to flash us with the floodlights, Dave interjected. More silence, staring into the void in front of us. Does the emergency pattern start with over a minute of no lights at all? I asked, trying to add some levity. It didn't work. It doesn't, Dave said, deadpanned, still staring ahead. I shrugged. We were probably all overreacting. These things were state-of-the-art, bleeding-edge technology. We had stuff on there that I'm pretty sure none of us were smart enough to work. I sauntered over to the radio, just beyond the small doorframe into the next room, sure that there would be a reasonable explanation on the other end. Hey guys, have one over here. Just wondering why you turned off your lights. Everything okay? I spoke into the radio, making sure to be loud enough so Dave and Amy could hear me. I waited a moment for an answer, and nothing. Another moment. Dave and Amy joined me in the side room. Still nothing. Have to, do you read? I asked, voice still calm. But I think my body language was giving it away that I was concerned. You're on the right channel? Amy asked. These things only have two channels. One for the other hab and one for HQ. Either one should have gotten back to us right away. Dave frowned at her. I looked down on the radio. That was on the right channel. Hab 2. Do you have a read? I asked again, this time louder. I put the mouthpiece down. What's the protocol here? I asked. Janet was in charge, but she had been asleep for the last few hours. She wasn't feeling well, apparently. Dave went to wake her without another word. It took a minute or two to explain it to her but she realized the severity of the situation right away. We could be in the crucial moments of saving lives here, people. Radio HQing, get them to get a boat and rescue team out here immediately, Jane demanded. She had a military background. She wasn't much if she wasn't a woman of action. I switched over to the other channel. No, Mike, you come with me. Amy, call base, she instructed as she entered back into the hub room of the hab. We walked quickly towards the drone console. Good idea. I agreed, without her having to explain it to me. I took my seat at the controls of the drone and flicked them on. 
I'd swim over there myself if it wasn't past dark, or even if the lights were still on over there. I could hear her scowling at safety protocol through her teeth, even though I was focused on getting the drone fired up. Not an option, Cap. You know how easy it is to get disoriented in dark water. I sighed as I undocked the drone. I turned it to face the gorge and started the trip forward. The drone had floodlights of its own, not as powerful as the ones on the hab though. Still, I'd be able to see a few feet in front of me at least. Not that there would be anything to see while I was out over the gorge. Like I mentioned earlier, this thing isn't a Corvette, so it was going to take a few minutes to get all the way over to Hab 2. I didn't get far into our trip before Amy and Dave came back into the hub room. Hey, Captain. So, it turns out I think it's our end of the VLF that's on the fritz. We can't get through to HQ either, Amy explained. The pit in my stomach seemed to get lighter. It was a good sign after all, at least they didn't turn the lights off and then not answer. I'm already taking a look at it. I just wanted you to know. Amy finished before returning to the radio room. Janet didn't say anything, and Dave sat down at our HAB's lights controls in the hub area with us. On the drone screen, I could see Dave extending the HAB's floodlight arms out above the gorge as far as they could go, doing his best to help the drone along the way. Thanks, man, I offered from across the room. No response from Dave. This thing was painfully slow. When we were just doing research with it, piloting it, when it seemed like there was some unknown timer ticking down made it seem all the slower. All I could do was hold forward. Another minute or so and I was out past the helpful illumination of the Hab's lights. And I was on my own. Well, the drone was at least. I got about halfway to the other Hab before I noticed the nose of the drone wanted to naturally start dipping down pretty significantly. Maybe Amy would have to take another look at it. The rest of the trip was pretty easy going once I got used to that, but the pit in my stomach got heavier and heavier the closer I got. Even if we couldn't see the floodlights, eventually their normal indoor hab lights should have been visible. Even if they all turned in early for the night, there are some lights in the hab we literally can't turn off. We had to be getting closer at this point, definitely close enough to see their indoor lights. But nothing, followed by more nothing. Do I look like I'm in line with Hab 2, Dave? I looked over my shoulder to Dave staring out the main window. The floodlights on the drone were less powerful, but you could still see a smaller, dim light in the distance across the gorge. Yeah, looks dead on to me. Dave called back over his own shoulder. Shit. Janet stayed quiet, but I could feel her intensity behind me like a kettle about to whistle. I held forward on the drone for another few moments, and I was finally met with the hull of the other hab. I let out a giant sigh. I had started holding my breath at some point, I guess. I had gone a little off course, so I had, would have to do a little maneuver to get to the other hab's main window. Janet's silent intensity was now only amplified as Dave joined her in watching the drone stream. It was as I feared. I found the main window, and saw that the inside of the hab was pitch black. The only thing that illuminated it were the floodlights from the drone. The drone could light most of the hub area, while it was just floating there. Everything looked to be in order. It was just dark. Total power failure. It's the only thing it could be. 
the captain spoke up. They've got a functioning VLF and plenty of air until a team can come pick them up. Janet nodded to herself. Ah, this is good news. She sighed. I couldn't bring myself to join her in relaxation. But where are they? I asked her as I turned the drone to shine on one of the black corners towards their VLF room. Ah, uh, she stuttered, looking for an answer. Wouldn't they want to be seen by the drone so they could show us they're all right? I finished my thought as I wheeled the drone over to look at the other corner of the hub room. What the hell is going on here? Dave cracked as he turned back to look out the main window. Maybe they all went out in their suits to see if they could fix something on the outside? He asked. Janet shook her head. Bill is the only one over there that could even have a chance at fixing something like this. There's no reason for all of them to go out. Her voice was weaker than I had ever heard it before. Drive the drone around the back of the hab. She snapped as she looked back at me. I spun my chair back around and did as she said. Dave took a seat over at his sonar console and watched from afar. Nothing. Everything seemed ordinary. No breaches. No dead bodies floating in the water. I was at a loss. Janet finally left her perch on my shoulder, storming over to the other room. Amy better have that VLF working, she muttered as she went. Dave and I sat in silence. I leaned back in my chair and spun around to face him again. I don't know what's going on. I stammered halfway through my sentence, seeing that Dave was once again turned around at his sonar console, headphones on. He slipped an ear out again. Hey, Mike, remember that whale Amy and I couldn't figure out? He stared at the new waveforms on his dashboard. It just got a lot louder, and... He continued. I stood up, out of my chair. I think it just said something. More silence filled the room. Why, you speak fish now? I joked back at him. It wasn't really the time for joking around, but I was up for a little levity. No, asshole. It said something. I heard it. Dave doubled down. I've listened to these things for over a decade, and nothing has ever sounded like that. He looked at me, straight-faced. So, you're saying you do speak fish? I responded as I sat back down, leaning on my desk and raising an eyebrow. This got Dave visibly angry, something I wasn't ready for. No, you dick, but I speak a language, and that sounded like a language. He shot back at me. He spun around in his chair to face the screen again. He fiddled around with the screen for a handful of moments before spinning back around and taking his headphones off. He held them towards me. Here, listen. I shrugged and reached for the headset. What the hell, Mike? Get back on the drone. Janet pointed at my screen as she re-entered the room. I felt like I got caught with my pants down. Right, sorry. I nearly yelled back. Now definitely wasn't the time to pitch the magical talking whale to the captain. I guess Dave caught a similar vibe and kept quiet. I still haven't seen anything unusual. Wait. I cut myself short as I noticed something I should have before. Their drone isn't docked. Could that be important? I asked. 
The captain retook her position behind me, arms crossed and shrouded in her quiet intensity. The fact that she was thinking was loud somehow. The weight of her choices seemed to weigh down the room. Bring the drone back. Halfway, she said sternly as she turned and walked off. Why halfway? What does that accomplish? Dave asked, thinking he was out of the loop. He wasn't. I had no idea either. Because I'm going to meet it halfway, Janet responded sharply. She opened her locker at the back of the room and took her scuba gear out. You can't do that. What? Dave and I both reacted. That was an outrageously dangerous idea. Diving alone is dangerous. At night, ten times worse. In the middle of the ocean, surrounded by unknown circumstances? Seemed like a suicide mission. Janet pursed her lips at us and glared as she wriggled an arm into her wetsuit. With the VLF down, I have to make the calls. I can go over there and figure it out. She slid the harness holding her O2 tank over her shoulders. I've got thousands of more diving hours than the rest of you. I'm the strongest swimmer. I'll be fine. Bring the drone back halfway. When you meet me, turn it around and head back to Hab 2. I'll go with it. Dave and I sat in our chair silently. She was in command, and even though what she was saying was against safety procedures, we weren't really in the realm of procedure anymore. I turned back to my screen and started the drone back. You'll be able to hear me on the main console. It's got a transceiver. Dave and I continued our silent protest. Dave got up and walked to the main console as Janet sealed the pressure hatch behind her and entered the nighttime ocean. Janet was too quiet for me to hear across the room on the main console. I couldn't see the lights on her suit as the drone made its way back. They were drowned out by our Hab's floodlights. There wasn't a doubt in my mind she was heroically forging forward though. I cringed at the thought. This was a stupid friggin' idea. Dave was talking to Janet through the main console. I could only hear her side of the conversation, though. As I made my way back towards the center of the gorge, I noticed the nose of the drone wanting to dip down again. I was about to give it some thought, but Dave interrupted me. She says to keep it as level as possible. She doesn't want to end up going down in the gorge, he said. I could tell he was equally as annoyed with the plan as I was. Yeah, tell her I got it. I shook my head and chewed the inside of my mouth. Eventually, as I made my way back across the gorge, I could make out a smaller, dimmer light distinct from the floodlights. There she was. I didn't know if it was exactly halfway, but we were about to meet. I held forward on the controls, fully intent on meeting her physically when the nose of the drone began to significantly drop. I fought it for a moment, but I only went a short distance further, and the drone couldn't even stay level anymore. I floored the drone backwards and it stabilized again. Tell her to stop, stop where she is, I shouted across the room. What? Dave answered startled. He fumbled with the transceiver for a second, but almost immediately shouted at Janet to stop. It was too late. I watched as the lights from Janet's suit struggled to stay up for a moment, before being violently dragged down and spun like a pinwheel into the abyss. I couldn't hear Janet before, but I could hear her through the transceiver now. I heard her scream. 
I heard her scream as I pointed the drone's camera down to watch her lights speed down in the darkness, spinning as she went. She took another breath and screamed again as her headlamp disappeared into the darkness of the gorge. I couldn't see her, but I could still hear her as I stared at the screen. Jane, 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 what's happening? Dave yelled into his end of the comms. He couldn't see what happened. Her lights would have been too dim to see from the main window. Jane? Hello? He was nearly screaming now. He looked over to me. What happened? He shouted. I looked at him with my mouth hanging agape. Amy shot into the room. What happened? What's the matter? She yelled at the both of us. Dave and I both looked at Amy and then back at one another. I started slowly. Cap went out into the water. Amy already had something to say about that, but I ignored her and continued. I leaned forward in my chair and put my head in my hands as I explained it. She was going to meet the drone halfway to have two, but around the center of the gorge. I trailed off as Dave screamed into the transceiver for Janet again. I felt an undercurrent on the drone, and it got really strong. I tried to get Dave to stop her, but she would got too close, and I stopped again, afraid to even say it. She got sucked down. I looked up at Amy on the last word. She was horrified, and she was speechless. Amy walked over to the main window. She's down there? She asked, looking over the edge of the gorge that was lit by our floodlights. She's dead, Dave mumbled. His voice was an uneven mix of sorrow and disbelief. The gorge is at least a thousand meters deep. He swallowed hard. In scuba gear, there's just no way she could survive the pressure. We were all aware, but none of us could believe it. Maybe the down current didn't go all the way down? Amy threatened us with hope. I shook my head. She went down really fast. She screamed for a long time before she cut out, Dave added. I glanced to the main window. Amy and Dave did the same. Janet was the captain, the boss, but she was still a good friend to all of us. Dave sat at the main console with his face in his hands. Amy stood there in the doorframe, defeated. I felt it too, the undercurrent, I said quietly. I could have stopped her. I felt like my chair would collapse under the weight of my mistake. You can't think like that, Mike. You told Dave to stop her as soon as you felt it. Amy spoke up weakly. I only now noticed she was quietly sobbing. No. I felt it earlier. On the first trip over, I admitted. Dave turned in his chair a bit and then turned his head to face me. What? He asked, devoid of emotion, or maybe straining against the force of every emotion. I felt it halfway over just a few minutes ago. It wasn't as strong, so I just thought the drone was still messed up, and I tried to explain. And you didn't think to mention it? Dave exploded at me verbally, as well as physically. He launched out of his chair towards me, knocking over a table on his way. I put up my hands to defend myself, but in the struggle, my chair ended up flipped over with me on top of it, and Dave on top of me. His eyes were wide and wild, 
as I looked up at him, and he cocked a fist above us both. I'm not a fighter, but thankfully neither was Dave. I flung my hands toward the oncoming punch and redirected it somewhere. Dave reached to pin one of my hands and got a hold of one of them. He readied another punch. I closed my eyes, but Dave was suddenly on the ground next to me. Amy stood over us both. She had been yelling during the scuffle about what I didn't know until I heard her say the lights were back on. I sat up and looked out the main window. The other Hab's floodlights were on. I stood up instantly and Dave joined me. They were back on, but something else was wrong now. When they went off, they were in their default, unextended position. Now they were splayed out all over the place, up and down, left and right, all seemingly extended as far as they could go. How the hell does that even happen? Dave asked. It was pitch black over there, I said. They wouldn't be able to extend those arms without power. Amy finished our thoughts for us. We stood there, a crack team of expert scientists, answerless. My thoughts went back to the drone. I could pilot it over and see. I had almost gotten turned around before I noticed something. The furthest left light on HAB 2 went out, but it didn't go out. It was like something had moved in front of it. I looked at it for a moment, and then the next most left light went out, and then the next, and then the next. The lights were up and down, all over the place, so whatever was obscuring them was enormous. It overtook the dimmer light of our drone, and then the next light on HAB 2. My mind thought that eventually the leftmost light would have to become unobscured, but it didn't. Light after light was devoured before the final rightmost light disappeared as well. Whatever we were looking at was absolutely colossal, but it was beyond the reach of our fully extended floodlights. We could only see the absence it caused with its presence. Suddenly, all of the lights were back. Whatever we were watching slowly moved, darted down into the gorge, bringing all of the lights back into view at once. In all of the stunned silences I had experienced in the last hour or so, this was the most stunning. Dave broke the spellbind. He ran over to the sonar console to our left. I watched him run over and simply stand there in front of it. After a moment, he stood to the side so we could see the screen. They were definitely the strongest waveforms I'd ever seen on that screen. Giant peaks. Dave looked at us wide-eyed. It's been speaking this whole time. New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, hear surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.